All right, well, welcome in to chapters 9 and 10 from our Sacred Pathways book, Enthusiasts and Contemplatives. And I thank you for joining us today. If you haven't filled out the questionnaire in your book, go ahead and do that now. Also, there is one attached in the original email titled Intro if you haven't read the chapters yet and intend to. Now is a great time to do that. However, feel free to do that after listening to this podcast. Remember, any score above 15 on your assessment is an indication of a preference for this spiritual temperament. All right, on we go. Finally, enthusiasts. Yes, it's here. (laughs) My favorite pathway or my highest scoring pathway, I should say. The enthusiast, finally, let's go. Who else is excited? <laughs> I scored a 26 on this pathway. I love to get excited about Jesus and the cross, the work of the cross and God's redemption um, towards humanity. Scripture says, who has been forgiven much loves much, and this is me to a T. I have been the recipient of God's grace in such a way that I have to go uh, walking and leaping and praising the Lord sometimes, <laughs> or I feel the need to uh, to break open the alabaster jar and pour it out on Jesus' feet. Sometimes the gratitude in my heart surpasses my physical ability to express it. Uh, the two words that define the enthusiast are mystery and celebration. All right, so here are the takeaways. Mystery. We serve a God that supersedes the understanding and parameters of the natural human mind. There will always be a level of mystery about God. And uh, page 164 of the book is so good, I just have to read a little excerpt to you here. There is no getting around the fact that Christianity has its mysterious side. We worship and serve a supernatural God who manifests himself to us in supernatural ways. In this sense, every Christian will bear some marks of being an enthusiast. But enthusiasts by temperament are particularly fed by such experiences. Enthusiasts long to preserve the mystery of faith. They understand that there are certain things about God and Christianity that we simply can't fully understand. When this understanding is rooted in anti-intellectualism, it becomes dangerous. When it is rooted in humility, in the understanding that God is spirit and we are flesh, that God is in control and we are not, it is a healthy response to a fantastic relationship between two unequals. (laughs) I love that. A relationship between two unequals. While traditionalists are comforted by the fact that the offering is passed every Sunday at precisely 10.34 a.m., the enthusiast is likely praying that God will show up in such a new, unique, and unexpected way that nobody will even think about the offering. Ritual may at times feel stagnating to an enthusiast, They want to see fresh evidence of God's moving, speaking, directing, and interacting with his worshipers. Enthusiastic worship talks about um, the excitement surrounding worship and the expression of that excitement. No matter how you rank as an enthusiast, you've probably been part of a worship service that was either a little too enthusiastic or so unenthusiastic that you found it difficult to remain conscious. (laughs) I come from a long line of Pentecostals, uh, and I absolutely love the Pentecostal denominations. I have a pretty strong suspicion, however, that I am a descendant of Holy Rollers. (laughs) Holy Rollers were folks that got so caught up in the Holy Ghost that they started rolling on the ground, 
which is great fun. Church was almost the only place that I got to watch full grown-up adults do gymnastics. And let me tell you, I loved every minute of it. When I was a young person, church was exciting. Some of the powerful and free expressions of worship that I experienced as a young person came into question when I looked for stability and discipline in the Christian walk and in my own Christian walk. I noticed some people that rolled out of church on Sunday, wholly rolled back into their old lifestyles on Monday. Um, They sometimes confused, and I found this occurring in myself, the expression and the experience with God. And uh, these are two completely different things. So we must be worshipers and believers, first and foremost, of character and obedience to God's Word. Uh, which makes me think of 1 Samuel. I think it's 1 Samuel 15 that talks about obedience being better than sacrifice. That God prefers our obedience uh, to any sacrifice that we could offer Him. For me, I find the creative person and the enthusiast need the boundaries of expectancy and prayer. And that's what I want to talk about next, is expectancy and prayer. Uh, You'll find uh, the details of these two things on pages 171 through 173 in the book. And they're so phenomenal that I have to pause here and read a section to you. I'm not going to speed read through this. It's just too good. Uh, A few excerpts on expectancy and prayer. Buckle up. Expectancy. Enthusiasts need this expectancy in their faith. A planned program in which God is not invited to move, even if he should be inclined to do so, would seem unbearably stifling. The challenge is that the church as an institution needs some boundaries. If everybody who felt God moving through them blurted out a pronouncement or word of instruction, the church service would soon resemble a carnival. Paul dealt with this at some length in his correspondence with the Corinthians. That's why I usually encourage enthusiasts to incorporate expectancy into their personal life. The Monday through Saturday side of their walk with God. That's expectancy. Prayer. All right, so Gary goes on to talk about prayer. And I'll quote, is there anything more mysterious than prayer? Prayer moves us to call on a being we cannot see and ask him to alter that which we can see. Enthusiasts need to create pockets of prayer in their lives, learning to trust God to come through in unexpected ways. However, there's an element of mystery against which many enthusiasts sometimes rebel. The mystery of unanswered prayer. This is so good. Listen, listen, listen. Perhaps more appropriately stated, prayers that are answered with a no. Because God sometimes answers our prayers with a yes. It can be intoxicating, especially to the enthusiast. And this intoxication can become so addicting that we begin to demand God answer every prayer with a yes. When a prayer isn't answered in the way we want it to be answered, we may mistakenly assume there must be hidden sin, lack of faith, some other minute item that propels us into hours of fruitless introspection. It's been said before, but it is worth repeating here. To demand that God answer all our prayers with a yes is to ask for His omnipotence, or His power, without having the benefit of His omniscience, or His knowledge. That is so good. I want you to think about that for a second. Um, to, to demand that every prayer we pray to be answered with yes is asking for God's power without, without asking or having his knowledge. Looking back, I'm thankful God said no to some of my prayers. The mystery of faith calls us to love and serve a God whom we can't always understand. 
The enthusiast loves this truth when the result is satisfying, when God answers in ways that make our knees weak. It is much less exciting, however, when the mystery leads us to believe that God is silent, indifferent, or even cruel. Mystery is mystery. It has exhilarating elements as well as its frustrating elements. We can't expect one without the other. The necessity of maturity will lead virtually every enthusiast through this canyon of unanswered prayer where expectancy runs dry and the only mystery seems to be where God is hiding. Um, We've all faced this challenge in life. Uh, We've all had questions that went unanswered. And again, we are serving a God that we cannot understand, asking him, praying for to someone that we cannot see about things that we can see. Um, so there's a lot of mystery surrounding our walk with faith. And the enthusiast is, uh, is well in touch with that. There are temptations that go along with being an enthusiast or having uh, predisposition to this pathway. The temptations are seeking experiences for experience's sake, being independent, and equating good feelings with good worship. Lastly, to wrap up enthusiasts, I love what page 179 said, and I'll leave enthusiasts at this. Healthy Christians create. All right, next chapter, contemplatives. The contemplative seeks to perform the first work of adoring God. Activists and caregivers are marked by obedience and service. Intellectuals are marked by understanding, while enthusiasts are marked by delight. Contemplatives seek to gaze lovingly into God's face and be caught up in the rapture of a lover's experience. They are marked by adoration. Resting between God's shoulders is the favorite pastime of contemplatives. They want to enjoy God and learn to love Him in ever deeper ways. Contemplatives remind us that God does not seek obedient or dispassionate servants, but rather those who experience a passionate love that is so strong it burns all other bonds. Wow, I love that. Uh, Contemplatives want to experience a passionate love that's so strong it burns all other bonds. Some of the scriptures in this chapter really do a good job painting the picture of this pathway. I'll breeze through them real quick and you and I can contemplate what a contemplative is. (laughs) I think that these these passages uh, that were selected really, really help us identify it. So let's look at Psalm 63 first. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will be fully satisfied, as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. And Deuteronomy 33:12. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Again, that was Deuteronomy 33:12. I think it's safe to say that prior to chapters from the Old Testament, there were no real recorded conversations of human beings talking to their God this way. Um, Even now, you will find the Psalms or the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Deuteronomy, to really be dissimilar to other religions or any other religious texts, I should say, in the world. These books of the Bible 
really describe a relationship that goes beyond religion in the traditional sense and enter into, again, almost the lover relationship, the adoring. With these passionate and earnest words, David fulfills the charge given to the community of faith in Deuteronomy 6.5. And I'll quote, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Cold and calculated lip service is not enough for our God. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's Isaiah 29.13. I thought it would be more fun than me just kind of talking about my take um, on contemplatives for this whole podcast uh, to do some exercises together. Contemplatives, they they take um, prayer, they take scripture, uh, they take meditation, and they focus on it and they think about it and they, they internalize it. And it becomes, instead of a distant story or a distant God, uh, someone who is with us, who is again within us, and someone that we can speak to. So the Stations of the Cross do that. As I read these to you, if you have the ability, just pause where you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Think about these things that happened to Jesus, the blameless, the perfect, righteous Son of God who knew no sin, who went to the cross for us. And uh, this is the Stations of the cross. So think about this, the sentence of death given to Jesus. Jesus receiving his cross, the weight of it. Jesus falling. Simon helping Jesus carry the cross. Jesus falling a second time. Women mourning for Jesus and Jesus falling again. Jesus being stripped of his clothing Jesus being nailed to the cross. Jesus calling out to John and Mary. Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus being taken down from the cross and being laid in the tomb. Those are the stations of the cross and when we really... Um, use the imagination that God's given us and the emotion that God's given us, we can see and sense what it was like to be there, uh, the weight of these things that historically did occur uh, because of our sin. I'd like to do another exercise, the Jesus prayer. This one is really short. And it's just this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we can say that together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The main focus of the Jesus prayer is to help us remember God, remind ourselves of his presence. There's a book that I highly recommend if you are interested further in this pathway, and it's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. A tremendous book. And if you have Sacred Pathways with you, it's a great time to walk through the secret acts of devotion, uh, the centering prayer, prayer of the heart, any of those in there. Phenomenal, phenomenal resources for the contemplative or those that are interested in learning more about that pathway. There are also temptations that come along with the contemplative, and they are losing balance, absorbing the ego, forgetting virtue, and getting addicted to spiritual experience. Hey, thank you so much for journeying through this book with us. 
We are very near the end and have a fun surprise for our finale, which is our very next podcast. You don't want to miss that. You're such a huge blessing. I hope that uh, this time together, uh, even though it's through podcasts and kind of broken up, has been a blessing to you and that you're becoming more equipped to worship and to lead worship. We're grateful for you, praying for you. Hope you have a great week.